Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 239 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Adam Solo and Hugo Rosado of Praxis Games about their Forex Space Empire building game, Interstellar Space Genesis. But before we delve into the depths of dark matter and space, let's talk about what else is under Kane and Rince's vast canopy. Yeah, go with that. First, I have Kane and Rince on Mondays. It's like a book club for video games, if you're not aware. Every Monday, they release a new episode, and this week, they're covering Inside. So, the hosts completing... That's right, not playing a game for 20 minutes, but actually completing a game and then talking about it. It's like a little experience. It's quite a thing. It really is quite a thing. And, uh, yeah, every Monday, check that out. Inside is this week's um, game of choice. Then we have Wednesdays. We have Wednesdays. We do Wednesdays. Well, there you go. Can't speak today. <laughs> then we have, on Wednesday, we have Sound of Play. This is a podcast that celebrates the scores of video games. No, that's not the Metacritic scores, but the musical scores. Now, I'm going to keep on saying that joke because I'll still think it's funny. Playwright is another podcast we do on Thursdays. Two people called Ryan sit around chatting about a game that they've invented based on the ideas sent to them by their listeners. It's quite excellent. Do check it out. Then on Fridays, it's the Sausage Factory, which you're listening to right now. So yay! You, you probably already know that. If you want to find out more about Cane and Rinse, you can. You can pop along to com, and there you will find not only archives of all the podcasts that are listed, but also access to videos, blog posts, previews, reviews, all sorts and a lively forum. I know, a lively forum in 2019 does exist in the form of Kainerman's forums. So do join up and join in the conversation, of which there are many. There's also a Twitch stream we have at the moment. We only have one major stream going on at the moment, which is on Sundays at 8pm, British Standard Time or Greenwich Mean Time, depending on the time of year. And it's me playing a variety of games on a variety of platforms. We are looking to expand. We did were playing Sea of Thieves for a while, but things got in the way. Life, as, as, as we as you know. But we are going to be 
uh, doing another multiplayer stream um, thing. So we've, it's going to be a, a stream where we're playing multiple hosts are playing, Volcano Mints are playing a game on Thursday evenings. We, at the moment, we're looking at maybe Vermintide or possibly World of Warcraft. We're not entirely sure. We shall see. Now, if you want to suck us some coin, you can. Um, if you actually go to uh, patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse, you'll actually find our Patreon page. There you can chuck us just one US dollar a month, just one, and you will gain access to extra content. Not only do you get extra content, as in a monthly podcast, which is quite excellent, it's hosted by Jay and Leon, the founders of Cane and Rinse, but also there are the platform exclusives. Uh, at the moment, we have done the Game Boy, Mega Drive, and Xbox, but um, uh, behind a paywall, behind a patron, there's the Amiga special, which I actually was part of. It's quite excellent. A bit of a, a bit of a marathon podcast that one, but uh, yes, a big old topic that the Amiga, because it's it's an important machine. So yeah, if you want to throw some coin and actually gain access to all that stuff, you can. Also, by the way, you get extended editions of Cane and Rinse, and you get them one week early. So what are you waiting for? dive in so enough of about that and things should we uh should we listen to myself from the past yeah let's do that take it away me from the past adam and hugo who are you and what do you do okay uh my name is adam solo um, I'm a developer, programmer, designer of Interstellar Space Genesis, my first game. Um, and uh, we've been working on this game for like six years to seven years by now. I, wa- I have a background in computer science and uh, I worked in the space industry for a while, like eight years. And then I realized that, and then as a hobby, I started uh, writing about uh, games, strategy games, um, and Forex games in, in particular, in the website uh, spacesector.com. So I was, a ed- I was an editor there for a while, for about uh, five years. And then from there, I met some people in the industry and a lot of like-minded people in the community of gaming. And uh, soon I realized that, well, maybe... Um, I, I had the qualifications and the dream to make games one day, so I thought this would be a logical step next to to make uh, video games. Okay. Okay. You go. Okay. My name is Hugo Rosado. Uh, I'm a developer and programmer, and uh, I have a computer science degree. I also work in the space industry uh, for almost ten years. Uh, and then uh, I, I, me, me and Adam, we are childhood friends, so we played a lot when we were kids. Uh, and um, and then Adam asked me to to join this adventure, and uh, and I accepted. And um, and that's uh, where we are now, uh, reaching the, the the release of the of the product, uh, and that's it. So you, it's it's interesting. This doesn't this happens sometimes. Is that uh, guests somehow guess what I'm about to ask next, and you did it because mm-hmm. Adam did a fantastic job of asking of answering the question: How did you start making video games? Oh. <laughs> Which is wonderful because it sort of flows. Uh, it was deliberately designed that way. So obviously, this is this is your fledgling. This is your 
well, premier title, so to speak. It's your first, oh, yeah. first, yeah. first game. So, how have you found? Basically, because you've been obviously working in science, a very complex. I mean, actually working in rocket science. That's not mm-hmm. true. I know it's cosmology and other things. I get that. I'm just making a, a point. Um, I'm sure rocket yeah. science comes into it, but it's more cosmology. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but got ground control, ground control systems. Oh, there you go. Satellites. Yeah, that kind of thing. Wow, critical so, software mostly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how have you found working in that environment versus the utterly freeform, pretty much creative side of things? What have you, what have you found in, enchanting? Well, enchanting, exciting, and what have you found exasperating? Because rather than me, because you've both given me an idea. So, how, how have you found? How have you com- compared the two experiences? Yeah. Well, it's completely different in terms of the of the work day by day uh, but it's interesting that uh, what you learn what i learned in the in the space industry with my background in computer science and then there uh, allowed me to gain a lot of experience in project management and in the programming and um, so i basically uh, i did very a very different job there um, I, I programmed, I did project management, uh, so it's totally different. Uh, the, the creative process is not so much there. Uh, it's more yeah. you have to follow the, the script <clears throat> and you have to do what the client asks and there's very little wiggle room to, to be creative there, at least from my experience. That's probably why I felt that need, uh, or as at least one of the reasons, is that it's really a very rigid environment. It was great for a while, but after a while, you see that uh, things get repetitive and things get so stifle your imagination a bit and creativity. And you start to feel a bit, uh, not trapped, but uh, yeah. um, a bit um, um, not you start, evolving. You, yeah. not cre- you start looking yourself creating. doing the same stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes you need... And when these opportunities come up, we think a, bit, a little bit, okay, so life is a bit, a little bit of this. Let's try another thing, try a, a new a new energy. Uh, and that's why we are here <laughs> now, basically. Yes. So it was a natural path. And then after some years, I think this happens with a lot of, a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, after eight years or 10 years in the industry, people get a bit tired, get a bit, um, well, uh, they want to try something different, and then when I, as I said, when I started to to write about games, I rediscovered because I was playing games for since I was twelve. But th- then I rediscovered again. Oh, this is uh, the other dream I had. The, one of the dreams was to work in the space industry. I achieved that. Yeah. I've seen it. I, I enjoyed it for a while. But then, when I started writing about games, I saw well, this is the other passion I have, and now maybe I'm ready to go in this new path now and then the process is different and then there's a lot more uh, of a creative process there a lot it's undeniable because of the game design side of things but then again the project management part in the programming is there also so it was great that we could uh, take advantage of our experience and then apply it so now i feel uh much much better in my shoes and complete in the sense that I can ally the creative process with the background I have and the experience and I could see it through fruition through this project uh, with all the knowledge and experience that 
all that benefit, all that benefit the project, and the project is much better because of that. And Ugu can say, but he followed more or less the same path. So. Yeah. And we keep, uh, and we we still in the space industry, <laughs> space entertainment industry. Yes, industry. we are still in the so, space sector. We are still in the, uh, in the. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna have to come on to that because for me, I don't know about you two, but one of my favorite games of all time is Master of Orion Two. Oh, um, there you go. That's yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's uh, blessed be its name, shall we say? Um, not that I'm a religious fellow, but uh, for me. It was almost a religious experience playing through that because it was very close to when Civ 2 came out and it, it, they kind of like, you know, clashed mm-hmm. together. So if, when I'm playing Interstellar Space Genesis, I'm reminded a lot about that and that experience, that sense of wonder, that sense of exploration, that sense of, oh God, I've just encountered the Orions, now I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's but, like in the bubble. You enter in the bubble. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, you just get drawn into yeah. this grand like universe that it creates. So, this leads me on to my next my next question. Really, is one I ask every developer, every guest on the show, and they some immediately blurt out exactly what how to answer this. Some go, I have no idea. But let's 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 see how you get on. But because um, you've you've entered the creative world now i mean you have a fantastic work ethic obviously because of your 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 background in science and working in that very very challenging environment um and you've taken that work ethic and moved on to game creation which is obvious with interstellar space genesis um what influences what is your biggest influences as creators do you think it can be anything, but it's a bit of a nebulous question. But mm-hmm. as creators, what do you think is your biggest influence? I can take. Uh, I think for me, it's a, it's quite easy. It's okay. really science fiction, right? I'm really drawn to science fiction since since I was a kid, um, and uh, that really inspires. So that is in the game, in the sense that that exploration, that wonder, that harshness, that coldness, but also that wondrous. Uh, space exploration, what lies beyond, that all comes from there. From the, from, and that's why I love sci-fi games, uh, space games, usually, but uh, all sci-fi from Master of Orion uh, or, or Alpha Centauri, another classic. Um, so it really, for me, it stems from science fiction, and then things collide and merge, and so the other one is games. They're real Games are really profound in my youth, since the, I was 12, so and that had an, a huge impact in, in my in my personality because I, ne- I never stopped playing uh, since then. I now I now play a bit less than I than <laughs> I used to now that I have to to program my own game. But uh, but so these these lines intertwine. So the the science fiction wondered and uh, the the need and the the enjoyment and uh, who i am is about uh, playing games and and immerse myself in that world and lose myself in that fantasy um yeah. so that that was my that that's my personal inspiration and then of course there's the more tangible influences like uh, books and movies yeah. uh and uh, games of course master of orion is the main influence for this game we have uh, we are uh, also even pitching it as a worthy spiritual successor for Master of Orion 2. So 
course, that was a, a huge tangible influence in terms of games. So that's, for me, that's yeah. where it all came from. Yeah, for me, it's 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 basically the same. So, the influence the influences are the, are the same. The passion is the same for science fiction movies, books, and um, and TV shows even. Um, and um, and we get, uh, for instance, for art uh, for art creation, we try to 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 get ideas from uh, those uh, those places and uh, try to. And try to to create uh, and try to use it in the in a better way. So and that's it. Uh, we we share the the passion for Masters of Orion. When we were kids, we we lost we were lost in time while playing <laughs> together, and uh, it was a they, they were fun and uh, happy times. And that's it. That's more or less uh, like Adam told about uh, yeah. About uh, yeah. I, I'm chatting to you both here, but Interstellar Space Genesis had me, you know, losing hours. You know, I'd sit down at about sort of like I don't know yeah. nine nine p.m. and go, oh, I'll, I'll get an hour in. It'll be fine. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Too. At one a.m. Yeah. One a.m. Yeah, that's a very good sign. <laughs> it's just like no, that wasn't supposed to be one, one hour. It turned it to four. It's like exactly. How'd that okay. happen? It was just, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's just one more turn thing. It is. At ju- least yeah. that we hope to to achieve that, and many players are reporting that, so we are very happy. Yeah. It's, a, prim- it's of, a primary um, objective. Like of yeah. a forex game, usually yes. Yeah. Is to you lose the track of time, and uh, you just think, oh, now I'm just going to wait for the next thing, and it's going to be great, and that's that's what usually is behind the appeal for these uh, forex games. These little milestones, like just just let me build the star base, then I'll be fine. Yeah, I'll turn it mm-hmm. off, and, and then, then I'll build... show them that I have these big shiny new ship, and yeah. I will send in commission to the to the battle, and I will I will get my revenge, and and then the player, as you see, starts to create these stories. Yeah, um, the yeah. game really is sandbox in the sense that the player creates its own stories, but it works in the, in this sense that yeah, uh, the anticipation and uh, what you are going to do next and. You start to imagine that you are going to do a great battle and all that. So, and then you're you're playing with your own toys and designing, and then you send them, and then they go to fight with the things with the stuff that you chose. So, all these, I think, is the is the big appeal of a mm. product. Yeah, and you can name everything, which is great. yes, that's great also yeah. for the story part. Yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah, it was because important. It was important for us. It was walk. and. Uh, uh, I remember when I found um, my my home system was called Denubis. I won't go into reasons why. It's, it's an old character from an RPG, and uh, I just like it's a great word. It's got, it's got nice little pitches to it, <laughs> and it has a very definite stop to it. Anyway, so yeah, Denubis, and then I found a nearby star system, and it just d- defaulted a name. And oh no, that's not called that. That's mm. that's that's new Denubis. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and that's like it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of people, like myself, and a lot of people, really, really like this kind of stuff to to yeah. name their ships, to name their leaders, to to name their shit, their systems, and then they bring oh, their yeah. own uh, stuff. To, yeah, so my, it's great I, as I a took, single player experience. And I took on the, the Silicon Race, and because uh, mm-hmm. uh, I thought they they look interesting. I remember some great Star Trek episodes involving the Silicon race yeah. they, they have them a lot in star trek the silicon um uh, base life yeah, forms they and, were there yes in star yeah, trek yeah they were and uh, 
And uh, I, I just, you know, and I called them the Weave from another <laughs> science fiction thing. And yeah. uh, it's just like, it's just, you're right. You just create your own and it allows you to do that. And, and Master of Ryan, all the best of them, allows you to do that. Yes. Um, yeah. And for, you know, for example, in, in see if I call them things like Mega City 1, Mega City 2. Mega yeah. <laughs> it's small things. It's, it seems like small things, but yeah. they are really key. Yeah, to allow you to then uh, pursue your own story. Yeah, and that's yeah, and you know, for me, the reason I personally have always liked science fiction, and uh, I have asked other fans of the of the genre why they read them so much, is or they've read so much <laughs> of it. I must confess that I have now gone off to classics and stuff recently, but in my 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 formative years, it was very much science fiction, and it. Uh, I love reading about worlds made by others. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and that's what I love, and I hope that's what that's what you're trying to do. Is like, here's a box made of sand, and we put stuff in it, some tools and things. But ultimately, this is your world that you're going to make. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, moving on, then mm-hmm. uh, fourth question: What developer do you most admire in the industry, and why? Mm. So it could be a okay. person, or it could be a company, or, or both. Okay. Uh, myself, I would yes. say two, two developers. Okay. Uh, the, the main one, I would say, it's really my uh, the one I uh, I, um, I follow, and I really I'm really feeling tune with his uh, with his philosophy in the games that he made. That he made was Sid Meier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sid Meier for me was really a, a huge. Uh, inspiration for all, all, all games, uh, of course, Civilization, uh, Railroad Tycoon was huge on me. Um, it really, 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 it's really present in my in my childhood. Uh, Pirates as well, uh, but Civilization for sure. Uh, and then all this uh, philosophy of uh, how how to approach game design that the player is the focus, that the fun comes first, that uh, the fun must be in the player. All these things that I really, really see that his philosophy really produces tangible results and it, I think, works and uh, I admire his work and um, his way uh, also. So I try to always follow his work as much as I can. The other person uh, is younger, it's the, uh, the next generation developer, is Soren Johnson, that worked in the Civilization Four. Uh, also uh, from the same company as Sid Meier, Firaxis, and I admire him also by the the work that he has done and the the approach, the style, uh, the the open style, the transparency, all that. I, I see myself also in in Soren. Uh, so these, I will say, these are the two uh, players in the in the games industry and in case designers. Uh, that um, that I appreciate the most. Yeah, excellent answers. You uh, go. What, what what do you think? Oh, uh, myself, of course. Uh, Adam is more keen to to game design, and and uh, I'm going to be honest. When I reached uh, the project, uh, my influences were Adam's influences because he, right. he talked he, he talked to me about all these game designers and and showed me a lot of stuff, and I, I learned a little bit about, with that. But of course, my Sid Meier's in the it's 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 one of the uh, after all is the games I've played when I was uh, younger and uh, that's that's the all the influences 
that I um, that I love. So that's it. Yeah, I have, I have very fond memories of playing. Uh, one of my favorites is Colonization, which not a lot of people oh, talk about. But Colonization, uh, nice game, great, yeah, great. really good game. Uh, has I think it because it deals with colon, you know the actual act of European colonization of North yeah. America, which is a, you know a touchy subject. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I know. Speaking of we understand that. Also, for yeah, us, we, yeah, we completely also. relate between the two. <laughs> two oh, yes. Because you know, we both as nations went yeah. off and did stuff, <laughs> which yeah. we're not particularly proud of. To, to put it mildly. <laughs> to put it mildly, um, and uh, there is actually um, um, uh, a board game I play called Colonial, and you can actually play mm. each rate uh, each nation. Uh, the European nation. It's sets. It's from sixteen ten to about uh, eighteen ninety. That's the okay. period it covers. A very interesting period in the European history. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can actually, I actually have actually played as the Portuguese. Sorry. And oh. uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, the Portuguese. They start off. They've colonized everything first. Yeah, yes, we go first, the but go then, first, yeah. but then we don't. We usually <laughs> are not very good at keeping stuff. Keeping, keeping it, then yeah. you come and <laughs> then we and come in, and then you're very good at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, it's just, we can laugh about it now, and we, yeah. because we have yeah. to, right? We have yes. to, right? Yeah. And because you know, we all look, and now we spent the last sixty, seventy, maybe hundred years apologizing. So, yeah. like, really sorry. We still have we still have Madeira and Azores. It's not bad. Yeah, no. we've got the Falklands. So, okay. <laughs> See what I mean? We're laughing because we have to, and we're Europeans, yes. and it's lovely. Yes, of course. But you know, um, just the, and we have it, and we have it because there were there were only birds there. So yeah, that's, that's true. It's true. So, um, but no, great. I mean, I remember playing it on my Amiga. Because I had an Amiga. Oh, so it was on Amiga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was on the Amiga. Yeah. yeah, and I had a great time with it. I'll never forget sending off ships, you know, ships of ships of war, privateers, yeah, um, privateers. Oh. Um, <laughs> there was off. another for. I think it was for PC. Was Gold it of was. America. I yeah. think Gold of America. I think it's for was for PC, but I'm not sure. Right. That's also in that time. It's also on that time. It was yeah, yeah. great as yeah. as Spain as Netherlands. Uh, the usual suspects for yeah. the, the English. <laughs> yeah, the Dutch. The Dutch. They did stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. They were there. They also the, yeah. the money part. Yeah, yeah trade. Yeah. Business. Trade. 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 Fencing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but colonization was also a great, a great influence in game and also a great also a designer that I also admire. Uh, Brian Reynolds uh, in, uh, there and uh, and uh, Sid Meier, Alpha Centauri. Okay, yeah. has Sid yeah. Meier in it, but it's it's mostly done by him. Yeah. So I would say yeah. it's also a person that I, I admire um, mm. as a game designer. So, yeah. uh, so colonization was also key. Yeah, and key. that's really it's and it's just uh, yeah excellent excellent references and uh, really really good nods to to those who come before you uh, to create yes. what you've done now. Yes. Of course, so, as, as they say, we, we come in the shoulders of giants. We, we all do. Everyone. We all do. Ultimate. And yeah, it's yeah. in here. The foundation was there. It was laid by these people, and I'm sure they were. It was laid by other people. That yeah. They also, it's, yeah. It's normal. I think it's as it, as it as it works in all uh, Ab- creative processes. I think. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, Sid Meier cites the the Avalon Hill board game of old. 
Uh, Even the Master of Orion, uh, Steve Barcia, also, he played all level on Hill games and he said that they were great designs and that obviously, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they that uh, as a major influence. Yeah, yeah. They don't hold up now, though. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, game, board game designers come a long way, I'm happy to say. Anyway, last question of the first half. See? Almost there. Okay. Halfway. Um, so this is the question I have to ask because we're talking about video games in the podcast. So what are you playing right now? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, 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 I'm not. I'm just playing my own game. Yeah, and even when I can, uh, it's incredible because there's so much stuff that goes into this. That, uh, but I have to say, and this is completely honest, uh, I enjoy playing my game, which is, I think, That's quite important. interesting mm. uh, because I was well because I know how the thing works, and but still, I can. Maybe you have. Uh, Hear this from, heard this from other people, but it, the the point is that the, the premise is that you really can lose yourself in the game, and I can I can I can play. I was not expecting this so much that I could right. play my own game and have fun, but I do. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's when I when I can and I should uh, even play more. But of course, it's always associated with the with the task itself, so it's not pure. So really, I would say. To be honest, I, I only played my own game for a while. Uh, <laughs> there really wasn't an opportunity to to play other games. Okay. Uh, Was there? Any, do you have any plans to play anything after it's out? Most developers, or <clears throat> you can talk about this. Any any things you like? Oh, I need to have a go at that. Anything that piques your that interest? I, yeah. That I'm now aspiring to play. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm seeing. Um, in this space or every everything, right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't all matter. kinds of games. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, I'm not really anticipating much right now. Uh, no new game that I'm really anticipating. I'm yeah. really. I, I think it has to do with the. You're so focused and so yeah, lost of, yeah. in so your own or, project yeah. that your soul is so much in these because we have no choice. Uh, it's just the two of us. These games are probably the biggest you can get. After maybe a massive multiplayer real RPG or something, hmm. so it's really we're really uh, all in at the moment. So I, I'm <laughs> after these, and uh, when we start, to, and we can talk about that when we, when we start to think about, about the second game and about expanding this game, maybe we'll have some time to relax and then. Yeah. Okay. Get first, back. we need time to search for a game. <laughs> first, uh, then. <laughs> We choose one. Well, and... <laughs> I would recommend one, if I yeah, may. It's solid. nothing, it's not a 4X game, which is perfect. Because mm-hmm. you want something, like, I'm going to use the phrase, palette cleanser, right? <laughs> okay. It's, it's an didn't... awesome game, uh, uh, and uh, made by one man. Um, but I mean, he's guested on the show, that's mm-hmm. why I mention it. The game is uh, Hell is Other Demons. It's on mm-hmm. the PC and the Switch. It's great. It's just really, really fun. Can you can you repeat? The, sorry, hell is other demons. Okay, mm. just look it up. You can actually listen to yeah. the previous show about it, and okay. it's, it's the last couple of shows. We'll check about the it. Yeah, oh. it's uh, one of my favourites of recent times. I saw it at PAX East like, this year. You know, yeah. you're just you know at these shows, and you walk along like, well, what's that? It's an unattended booth. No one's you know looking after it. Mm. I thought, oh, mm. look at this, and it's it's good. Cool. Pure, cool. very pure platform action. 
arcade game that's just just really well balanced and mm. you know can not really frustrating because you, if you fail it's your fault not the game's fault kind of thing and it's just mm. very pure okay and mm. uh, I just really you know I just I get the fluid the motion the speed it's just it's good very okay. good cool. so um, actually, that's, that's my actually now that uh, not that now that I'm 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 uh, getting back to these games that we, yes. we would like to play there's actually two games that if I had the time I would play and okay. the, and and I'm I'm it's a pity I didn't have the time to play them because I I, I missed play them and, uh, and and I will probably play them which is XCOM 2 okay and uh, and I look forward for any for any sequel that comes for sure yeah. and uh, and Civilization 6 of course mm-hmm. because I'm really a big Civilization I'm I'm science fiction all the way but I'm really really a, a Civilization geek all the way and I played for it. It's probably the best game for me, at mm. least Forex game. Uh, and then five was great also after after a while. And I I didn't have the chance to play Civilization six, and not XCOM. And I lo- simply loved XCOM uh, two thousand and twelve. Uh, Enemy Unknown was really blown away by the, yeah, the genius I, design of how how they streamlined a game yeah. that was so much in our. So good and so much in our uh, and um, I even reviewed the game uh, because as an editor in the past I also reviewed those games. So these are the yeah. Sorry, I was just saying that me, these were the games that I would play if I had the time. Yeah. Uh, XCOM two and um, and Civilization six. Excellent. Yeah, a new expansion come out for six. Yeah, a new expansion coming and probably some expansion more for XCOM. Yeah, yeah these games are like these. Uh, they, yeah. they keep expanding because they are really tough and big, and uh, <laughs> and the people expect that the game is okay when it releases, which is not different in our case. We know we have an okay to good game. I know because a forex game is never that good or great at release. No, uh, it is complete. Our game is complete. But it will get better because that's just the nature nature of what the forest. Yeah, is. once you release it to the wild, it's no longer your game, wholly. Yes, also um, that. a lot of people will interpret their own way, mm. which leads us on neatly mm-hmm. to the second half of the show, where we delve hey. deep into interstellar space genesis. Awesome.
So, first question regular, listen, regular listeners will know isn't a, isn't a question at all. It's a very gentle and kind request. Please tell us what is interstellar space genesis. What is it? Well, it's a spa- it's a turn-based space forex strategy game. So basically, that's uh, what it is. Uh, and uh, you are an emperor uh, exploring the galaxy, colonizing and uh, exploring, and uh, also and designing your warships and going to war. And then you have choices. Maybe you want to play more defensive defensively, more diplomacy, or more uh, war focused. That kind of thing. So a forex game is composed of many elements, many systems. Uh, diplomacy is one of them. Combat is the other. Then you have to manage your own planets. So this is what interstellar space genesis is. It's a space forex. Uh, it's heavily inspired by uh, Master of Orion 2, Battle of Atantaris, as we said. It was the main inspiration. We Our goal was to produce, our vision was to produce a game that would be what Master of Orion 3 or 4 in an alternate universe, because these games exist, would look like. So it's not the same game, it's not the clone, it's not the same mechanics as, mechanics as is, no. We, we took the best, we, we refined it, we improved it, we created new things, uh, we updated to today's standards. Uh, there was a lot of demand for this type of game. Of course, to, in 2012, the demand was really, really high. Uh, a lot, a lot of things have happened since then. There were a lot of games uh, released since then. So, uh, okay, so the, the the demand is not as high as before, but it's still there because, in our opinion, our game, uh, our space forex is different in the sense that it offers what we think are fundamental aspects about these uh, Space Forex games that we have not seen fully in any other game released since. And so that's our take, is to uh, pick the formula, improve it, bring it to the today's standards, uh, bring new stuff to the table, improve it, and but keep the fundamentals. And these fundamentals were really, really important for us. We, I can discuss them in more detail if you want. Yeah, and we're about to. But it does feel okay. like putting on a very comfortable jacket when I sat down to play it. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, yes, these are these are elements and aspects that I'm familiar with. Mm. Um, they're, all the buttons and the things are in a different place, but the core, the idea, the, 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 the concept is there, and the presentation is, is there. It's very clean and very crisp mm. and very clear, and there's, there's a language in it that's common throughout all the interfaces you know if you want to turn something off there's a little triangle in the top right hand corner always click that if you want to shut something off it's just very subtle that little that, that it's it's a little thing you may think but i think it's an important thing because the language being used the interface is has a commonality to it yeah and that, I agree. that's really really powerful because that way rather than having a dozen tool types and going click on this to shut this off it becomes a complete mess you go, please stop with the... I get that, I'm not stupid. You have treated the audience with some level of intelligence. You've yes. Said, yeah, you know. it is, uh, it is, yes. And, and that's why, and the target is really these educated gamers and veterans and um, people that are used to this kind of game. So for sure, they, uh, we are sure that they will understand and they will pick up the game easy, easily. 
uh, new gamers, new to the Forex genre. Okay, maybe not that easy, but that's why we have a tutorial to help. But so, yeah, we are aware that the game has that language you're saying um, that will, should be easy to pick up for old, for old school players. Maybe not so easy for, for newcomers, but at least someone, if, if you play the Forex game uh, lately, you should be familiar with the, with the, with the interface, I think. Yes. So, for the most part. My, my first design question, because that wasn't it, that was me of making mm-hmm. observation, by the way. So, yes. um, one thing that struck me, um, because I want to play out some unique aspects that I don't remember seeing in other games. You may go, oh, so you know, Chris, it's in this other game, but I don't remember seeing this. The exploration component of the 4X, that being, by the way, explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. Mm-hmm. That's, that's 4X. Um, so the explore component, which I've always found to be one of the most entertaining components of 4X games, not the most. Um, in, uh, in Interstellar Space Genesis... That can be done remotely, so you 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 basically have um, sort of observation of people searching parts of the of the sky from the homeworld, just examining it. And this is an action. This is a thing that you can tell people to do to have um, cosmologists and and, uh, and uh, just actually that's, looking. That's- yeah. Astro- astronomers, astro- astronomers, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, astronomers looking at the you know the sky to, to actually, you know, with incredibly powerful telescopes. How did this come about? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this is probably one of the first set of mechanics uh, that were we conceptualized as um, key and uh, interesting to explore because it was something that was not done before and. Very little since then. Probably, I'm maybe only in a game I can uh, think of, and, pro- and not the same. Uh, so it was in- it was important and interesting, I think, because um, I mean it- it's quite uh, seems quite obvious that you can do a lot from afar, and we are already doing a lot, even with our own meager means. But we are at least in the galactic scale of things. So you can, but. For instance, you cannot detect many objects right now. You, you are not, it's not easy to find neutron stars and black holes and, and uh, even smaller objects, but very, very dense ones. But you start to be able to. So in, the, in these games, uh, usually, no. It, the, the galaxy is already uh, shown to you, and then you just go there, and then you, you search. And so we saw an opportunity to, to create more uh, depth. There more decisions to make, and that are not uh, opposed, but the contrary, they're complementary in the sense that you can decide to be more as a narrative aspect. I want to be more introspective. I want to be here alone, and I want to explore uh, remotely. So that's one aspect. Or no, I prefer to go and with my service ships and with my other ships, and I want to see what's there uh, directly. So you can choose uh, some between the two. And we think it's fun to discover uh, new objects as you go, because the exploration was always one thing in Forex games that, as you said, it's probably one of the best parts of the game, but it, it really ends fast, because then the map is explored and there's really not much else to discover. 
so we saw also that opportunity to bring exploration to the middle game and even to the late game. So in, in, in Interstellar Space Genesis, you are discovering uh, new rogue planets, for instance, very tiny worlds in the deep space uh, by this remote exploration. Because imagine, if you, even if you have a survey ship or a ship, where do you send it? I mean, to find these, these objects. You have to have some means to a broader range of scanning to, to find uh, potential targets, and then you can send them there to know more details. So that's the thing. The remote exploration gives you options to discover objects or to learn more about them in time, or then you can just discover them, move on, and then you send your ships. That can be service ships. If, if they're service ships, they will discover everything about the, the object. If they're not, they discover something more. Maybe there's a monster there. Maybe there's a wormhole. So it's a lot of. Th I think these work. These work quite well. This remote exploration mechanic, because of all these things, allows you to discover things throughout the entire game. It's, it gives you options. You don't need to go right away. You can mix a bit of remote and a bit of ships going because going to space is also dangerous. You may lose your frigates. You may lose your ships to space monsters. That that sort of thing. So I think that was it. There was an opportunity there. We think it made sense. It improved the exploration side of the game, we think, immensely. Um, because it's very satisfying, I think, to find a rogue planet very, deep, very late in the game that no one knows, because this is the thing you discovered, but it's only you that discovered the object. So you may put a base there. And then nobody knows. And then you send your ships there, and then you may launch an attack from there, maybe, or you hide people. So I think it's, it helps with the surprise. So you, oh, there's a rogue planet there. I didn't, I didn't know. And now these guys have a good base there. So I think this helped create more dynamic to the exploration side of the game. So we are very, we are very uh, proud of that feature. Yeah, I think it's ingenious. It seems it easy, or, but um, uh, just... for some reason it was never done. No, but, it makes um, sense, though. Well, well, it makes what, sense. You, you would actually, you know, you wouldn't send ships off to a star going, I don't know, find something, there might be something there. Who knows? And it just makes no sense. You'd actually do everything you can uh, from your own sort of observations and doing, and by which time, the, you know, if you're able to travel to other stars, I'm sure you're... Uh, because because you're, you know your main sequence stars. You know where the main sequence stars are. But yeah. you don't know where the, where the brown dwarfs are, where the white dwarfs are, black holes, neutron stars, even denser objects, exotic stars, or even rogue planets. It's even... Forget it. You don't, you don't have the means to know. So you don't even know where to send your ships to find them. And these worlds are unique in the sense that they have unique life because they don't benefit from a nearby star. So we tried to inject as much science in the game and at the same time uh, increase the depth and the fun of the exploration. That was the driver for that feature. Yeah. So, next question then. Um, I've noticed there's a tendency for specialisms or specialist aspects or trends to be promoted in various aspects of interstellar space genesis mm -hmm. um and you know you could go you could become knowledge for example your race can become one of three sort of branches or you can do all three at the same time you could spread out or you could actually focus on one and indeed when you actually have um 
uh, your um, science and uh, your, your progress, your research, that can take branches as well to the point where, well, you've taken this branch now, you can't actually research any of that kind of side of the things because you haven't gone that, that way in your research. Um, these specialists, and also planets become specialists as well, like mm. they can do civil engineering works or they can do production and that kind of thing. And leaders as leaders, well. Leaders, yeah, leaders can do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, are you worried when you're developing these specialisms that you're actually ultimately limiting the player's options or you're enhancing them? What do, what, basically, what I'm trying to say is, um, how did these come about? Mm-hmm. And also, uh, how do you prevent you basically railroading the player into a certain direction? Well, but I have to say that the, the objective is exactly to prevent that from happening. Mm. Because if you don't offer the depth of choice, is you really are railroading the, the player to always go to a certain path of research or you always go to the same planets and do research in the same sequence. And so these choices bring flavor, bring, di- bring diversity, bring story. So you can, you can create your own story this time. Maybe I'm going to focus on adventure. I'm not going to put more on leaders, diplomacy, and not so much on the money aspect, or not so much on the knowledge of research faster. So all these allows you to have many roads uh, that you can pick that uh, will hopefully, and I think do offer a different experience each time, because replayability is really at the core of a sandbox game uh, like this, of a Forex game. You, you, replayability is key to keep you engaged in the game. So next time, Maybe your leaders will be more specialized into spy skills. Uh, next time, maybe they are more um, devoted to more uh, war-centric uh, skills and the colony can focus more on, on producing ships or on producing buildings. And on the culture, you can decide where to move on with the lever, more or less, your empire in a different direction. Uh, so I think this works... This is done to give the player options, dive flavor, as I said. If it limits the, the, the player, well, I'm, I don't really see it like that. You really are free to do uh, what you want. And if you want to do it at the same time, you, you're free to do it uh, as well. So I don't see less. I see more. You could say that there could be other problems. Uh, like uh, uh, burden of choice or, uh, par- or paralyzation in the sense of uh, many choices and what do I do, etc. But um, we were careful to to not go too deep on that. So there are options, but there are not too many, and they are much mutually exclusive. Some of them, but some are not. For instance, in the research, you are not um, you are not assigning one path in favor of the other. Only the order in which you do things. So to your question of if it's limiting. Or uh, no, uh, in my opinion, it uh, gives the player options and more and different ways to play. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I was just that there might be a perception that oh no, you want me if I choose this, this is it. I can't, you know, that's the, this is the this is the path I'm going to follow. That is some of that. That yeah. is some of that in the culture uh, path. You say okay, I'm going to focus now on money, 
and on the exploiting side mm-hmm. of the game, like in yeah. resources and lots of smuggling and pirating and money and all that. Yes, it, you are committing. In that session, you are committing, I'm going to be a tycoon this time. I'm going to bring a lot of cash, and with this cash, I will bring a lot of leaders, and I will, be, I will build stuff fast, and I will have a lot of money so to, to build all these things. On, the, on another game... But that I think it's appealing for at least from my perspective to then on the next game you you go in a different direction and you try a different thing or you you or you balance your choices across uh, different um, different areas. Uh, so yeah, there are some mutual exclusive choices. For instance, when you find the strategic resource for the first time, you have to make a choice. Like in the sense, do you want to pursue a more peaceful technological path or a more militaristic technological path? Okay, you are giving up one side of the coin, but it's this game, it's this story, it's your choice. And you can do always the same, you see? So I yeah. don't really see it as a, as a limitation, but as an empowerment to, to create more stories. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Perfect, wonderful way to put it. It's, it's replayability. This, replayability. This story right now, yeah. This yeah. story right now, you're becoming a... You know, a, a war, a, um, you know, a warlord. That's that's your thing. Mm-hmm. You can do you it, do it. and then and then the other time you'll be this benevolent, you know, uh, yeah. tree tree hugging uh, ruler. That's, that's yeah. Defend thing. you defend yourself. You you are very good at diplomacy. You have ways to choose perks that give you advantages there in diplomacy. So everybody likes you a bit more. You like it that way, maybe because you just like to explore and be friendly, and then you win. Uh, that's yeah. the that's yeah. the thing. The game offers you a way to win peacefully, yeah. um, and or not. But you can choose that path, and it, it works. You are friends with everybody. Everybody allies with you, and you win. Or 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 the other guy. You have also some decision there. When the Galactic Council comes, you may vote for the guy, or or if you are the powerful one, he will vote for you. Yeah. So yeah. there's no, there's uh, different ways you can. So play. space combat. Mm-hmm. Can't talk about 4X space-bound game without mm-hmm. looking at the space combat. And I found uh, that it's actually a turn-based thing rather than real-time. Mm-hmm. Um, some games choose a bit of hybrid of both, or it's you know it's sometimes it's it's quite interesting how each yeah there are many games, aspects yeah there are many different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose the turn-based? Why did you go yeah. with that? Uh, personal preference, I think, also. Um, in the sense, uh, but because of why, I would say because I really value these games for the leisure pace that they offer. In the sense that I will do things at my own pace. I like to take the time to to tinkle and to 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 tinker with things and to play things uh, uh, with time. And I really like to do my move and then see what the the, the, the AI does and counter that. And so. I really, I really prefer turn-based to real-time uh, any day, uh, not only on the combat side. Um, also, the inspiration for us also was t- turn-based combat, not so much because it was the inspiration, but because we, we really liked it. We, uh, Master of Orion 2 combat was great uh, at the time, and it, it still is, and it was the main driver and main inspiration, even gameplay-wise. The combat is probably the part that is closer to the inspiration uh, of Master of Orion 2. Um, but yeah, the turn based comes from there, from doing things at your own pace and sa- uh, savoring, savoring the experience 
okay, now I'm going to fire the weapons I want at the shape I want, and I want to see the feedback and enjoy the spectacle, and uh, and then I'm I move to the next ship, and then I see what I can do next, and then let's and then the surprise to see what they will do. It's completely different from a real time experience. It's really there's they are really completely different. I cannot say which one is best. I mean, some people prefer it real time because real time has other things that are more advantages. Uh, it, it's more cinematic. It's more uh, realistic. It's more uh, fun in some aspects. So it really depends on the type of person you are, where you're coming from, the games you like to play. If you like to take your time, if you're more hands off, if you're more hands on, if you're more hands on, usually you are more into turn based. If you're more hands off and you just want to to, to to watch the show, you're more into real time or cinematic. I, I mean, there are even forex games that don't even offer. You cannot even give orders to, to, to your ships. You just watch. So there are lots of people in the genre that prefer it different. This, mm. is, our, this, are, this is our preference, and uh, that's why we did it. And, it okay. makes, and, and <clears throat> I can add that my personal opinion is that it makes sense in, in our game. Uh, in, in consideration the strategy layer, it makes sense to have the same pattern in the in the combat. Uh, at least for me, it makes sense. But that's my opinion. <laughs> well, there are games that mix the two. And they yeah, work. I, I, I'm uh, saying my personal. Yeah, yes, yeah, sure, sure. I was just adding that yeah. uh, there are many types of people, and that you have real-time everything. You have turn-based everything, and you have real-time uh, combat and turn-based uh, uh, strategy layer. And you even have different mm -hmm. types of turn-based. You have turn-based I go, you go, like us. And you have turn-based uh, I, I go, we go. Uh, and so there are different ways to do that. But yes, we prefer it. It's more our style. And it's more focused. And it was also one of the fundamentals I was talking about. That we really wanted to get turn-based combat right. So, and that's a great response. And I, I really, really enjoy it. I'm a big board game player as well. So... Mm -hmm. I'm a big. I love Twilight Imperium and stuff. So I'm all for turn-based, although that happens simultaneously, oddly enough. But um, my last uh, last question. Um, this one I really thought long and hard about asking it because I didn't want to uh, ruffle your feathers. But I have to ask it because it's the elephant in the room as far as the forex genre fans um, amongst us have. How have you? How do you believe? Interstellar Space Genesis overcomes the problem of the mid-game experience. Mm -hmm. So, just to yes. be clear, the audience that are not familiar with this one problem, you start the game, you build up your empire, then you reach equilibrium, at least you think you do, mm -hmm. and you actually find you've lost your engagement, or you go, okay, well, now what? It's that problem. It happens what is known as the mid-game experience. So, how do you think? What have you done? Without spoiling yes. too much, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah. But but what have you done to address? So, that? Uh, one obvious one, and it really works, is what I said about the the remote exploration mechanics or the exploration mechanic, and even the ruins you explore can really be game changers. So, in the sense that if you find, if you spot a planet with remote exploration that happens to have ruins. And you, ha and you happen to have the, the, the luck to find a really super unique weapon in there, 
it can really shake the mid game and really shake shake the the, the power uh, relations between the between the the races. So this is one uh, this is one way. The other is that diplomacy was built in a way that um, there we that it's quite fluid, dynamic in the sense that uh, races are making treaties among them in this, but they are not too static. So at some point. Things may change. Plans may change. Wars will happen. Uh, we had the, we were careful to not uh, make the game too static in the sense that uh, when alliances are made and everybody's happy, nothing happens. No, uh, the diplomacy should be fluid enough to keep you on your toes. In if you really, really have, if you're, if they are really your friends, and things may change, not too drastically, but they may change. So you have these two aspects, uh, diplomacy and the uh, and remote exploration, and then uh, well, the, you have new worlds to to develop. Uh, certain technologies are also game changing, uh, that can re- change also the the power relations between the between the the, the empires. Um, new wonders that you unlock. Uh, so the, the tech tree is quite quite extensive. It's quite there are quite a lot of technologies and quite a lot of steps. Uh, so uh, there will be game changing weapons. There will be uh, new ways to to unlock your a different experience. Even ve- very powerful uh, space culture perks. So you were saying that there are a lot of these unlocks and choices in the in level in the sense of progression that's also one thing that we wanted is rpg progression uh element that they are very powerful at the end so when you reach for instance there we were careful in when you reach a certain state you even gain more uh bonuses from focusing on that so if you focus on certain culture you have a very big bonus at uh, at the end of the tree. If you focus in a certain infrastructure, you also have a very good bonus there. So we try to keep the game dynamic in the sense that things should be kept interesting throughout the entire game. The reputation uh, between the races changes. Events also happen, things that will... We also have events, so in the sense that uh, you, will, you will find something very powerful also through events that changes the diplomacy scene also. I, I can remember one event that has, I will not spoil it, but that, that will change the diplomacy, at least two, uh, the diplomacy, the diplomatic stance, like in the, the someone was found and then you have to make a choice and that choice will affect how others see you and you may lose some reputation. We, and so the, you see, the reputation then changes so things should hopefully keep interesting through the mid-game, even to the late game, we hope, um, through all these mechanisms. And we think the game holds up very well until the, until the late game. And, but then, Forex games, uh, it's, it's their nature. At some point, a decision needs to be made, and, it doesn't, and in my opinion, as a game designer, we don't need to drag a game more than it should. I mean, if you reach the satisfying conclusion, you are in the lead, you have a good uh, chance to win, then you should win. And you should. The appeal is to play a new game and play a new experience. It's not to drag the experience too much. So you see, it's a balance. We don't want to pretend that we are going to play 500 turn games and it's all going to be uh, 
difference through all the way. No, after some point, depending on the size of the galaxy, of course, um, you will uh, see if you can win or not. And there are times that you may try, even if the odds are low, there are these chances that I was, I was talking about that can change the game and you can have the hope to overcome a, a super powerful empire because you found a super weapon or even a super armor because the, for instance there's a super armor that if you find in a ruin your ships for instance will become almost invulnerable so you see there are many ways in, uh, that the game is built to provide you with ways to, to overcome uh, obstacles and change uh, relations with the races so it's a tough question. I hope the the the, the answer uh, was satisfying. But yes, we, we are confident that yeah. we did okay there. Yeah. That I think the game people reported the game being interesting throughout uh, the mid phase, at least. Random events, chaos. Random events, basically. Exactly. Random Things events, but not in the sense of yeah, but not in the sense that oh now and you lose a colony by the way. No, 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 no. We really were careful and give you choices. If you want to commit to something that it's negative, then uh, it's okay to provide a negative option from time to time. You have the option to choose uh, which. Uh, maybe there are two least bad ones or something. Yeah, at least <laughs> you always have a way out. I think it's important. And this leads yeah. to the philosophy of game design of Sid Meier and all that. It's important to always have some kind of way out that uh, you feel that you were not tricked or that you lost control of the game it's important yeah. that even when you make a decision that it's tough that it's not uh, that it was in your control to make that decision and there was another that probably was different and not so much so bad but you chose that so it's your choice what we wouldn't want is really when the game throws something at you that, no that really was we we really wanted to avoid that well i think you have and i just wanted to draw that out of you so successfully, because I think it's it's really important that you do create and present a whole experience, uh, and uh, it's very easy to get drawn in initially. Then, like I said, you have the uh, you, you believe full sense of security, uh, mm. and then you realise that actually no, uh, two turns later, what you thought was like, oh, I'll just do this for the next uh, fifty turns. Oh no, no. it's oh, never no, pleasant. Oh, no. No. It's never pleasant. <laughs> and oh, I was forgetting about the espionage is also another element that can shake yeah, things yeah. in the game espionage, because you yeah. can you can destroy important assets. For instance, when you invade, there's a star fortress there that, that you think you are even yourself or the AI that is well defended. Well, look again because the the saboteur is going to destroy your star fortress and things can change a lot with that. You can bribe leaders so they they have a super leader, but you bribe them. So you yeah. bring them, you bring it to your cause. You can steal powerful technologies, and you can frame other empires. So it disconnects to the thing I was saying that the diplomatic stance is not static. So if you spy and you keep framing the same race, that race was pleased or friendly, but at 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 the third or, or fourth event, they will break their relation, and you. I think this brings a lot of satisfaction to when yeah. you do things and you see that. Oh, I have I have control and I have options here. I, this game is not done yet. There mm. are options here. Maybe it's through espionage, maybe it's through framing. So so the espionage, or, or maybe I find something important, or maybe I put the saboteur in a key location. So I think yeah, I think we provided 
we managed to provide the, the whole package because espionage was was another fundamental. We also added, we wanted to add in because it's not usual to see espionage from the get-go in Forex games. I mean, there are even big games right now that don't have it. Uh, so there was another fundamental that I think is key, people are keen to have uh, these deep cover and these covered actions things. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with the, with the, with the product it, as, a, as a complete product. As I said, that I think it's an okay to good product with our feet in the ground for a, a space for, for a Forex game launch. We are happy with the product and we will, it will just get improved with time. We, will, we have two expansions planned and uh, several DLC also on the way. So interstellar, the interstellar space sag will continue. This is just the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Adam, you go. It's been fantastic having you on. Um, thank you Great. so much thank for sh- thank you. sharing your experience with Interstellar Space Genesis. It's by uh, Praxis Games. And it's, um, when is it out? Um, it's, it's pretty soon, this, isn't it? This Thursday, 25th of July. 25th of July. So we're recording this in the past. By the time you listen to this, the game is out. It's Windows PC and any other platforms? Forgive me. It's uh, just Windows PC at the moment. It's Windows PC, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have yes. plans to eventually port to Mac and to Linux. Yeah. But that will have to come a bit later. Yeah. Cool. We have um, to get right. the things. We have to get the thing out uh, first. Properly. Uh, in, in, yeah. In, in, yeah. In, Indeed. In the best shape possible. Indeed. But and then nice. yes, we will yeah. not forget about trying to to offer for other platforms. Excellent. So, like I said, thank you very much for being on. I really got a lot out of it. I hope you two did. And uh, that was great. Thanks for cool. the opportunity. And. Um, I wish you the very best of, best of luck in your future endeavours and of course whatever future game you've got coming up you're more than welcome to come back on and chat about it sure thank you thank you thank you